Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing the topic of realistic expectations of pregnancy rates in a beef cow herd. To discuss this, I'm joined today by Dr. Kai Poehler, who's with Texas A&M University. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Poehler. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dr. Poehler, this is the first time we've had you on the Beef Watch podcast. So before we discuss today's topic, share with us a little more about yourself, your background, and your current role there with Texas A&M University. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, I grew up on a diversified livestock operation in South Central Texas and uh, ended up doing a undergraduate degree in animal science at Texas A&M University. Went on to do a master's and PhD at University of Missouri was on faculty at University of Tennessee, and then was fortunate enough to come back here to Texas A&M about three years ago. In my role here at Texas A&M, I'm the chair of the Pregnancy and Developmental Programming Area of Excellence, where we focus in a number of different areas, um, but one being beef cow reproduction. Um, and mainly that's what uh, my lab focuses on, is, is increasing reproductive efficiency in our beef herd, specifically focusing on um, how to minimize reproductive losses, whether that's embryonic mortality or uh, late fetal uh, mortality, whatever it might be, but minimizing those to increase the pounds of calf that we can get on, on the ground each year. Dr. Poehler, you are part of the team that makes up the Beef Reproductive Task Force. And uh, last fall, there was a really excellent symposium that's available online if producers would like to go look at that, some really good topics related to beef cattle reproduction. Also in December, you presented a webinar on the topic we're gonna to discuss today, which is realistic expectations of pregnancy rates in a beef cow herd. And as you think about the upcoming breeding season, as we start to get geared up for that, what are some key things you think producers should know and understand about how pregnancy occurs in a beef cow, when pregnancy loss typically occurs, and what are some management practices that producers can think about to minimize potential risk or enhance pregnancies being maintained as they think about their beef cows? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I'm gonna break it down in, let's say in three really different areas here. So one, let's think about, you know, the actual breeding season itself as we get ready to launch into this uh, spring breeding season. So one thing that, that I hope and I encourage everyone to do is think about reproductive management and your breeding season, not just one time a year as you get close to the breeding season. Hopefully you've been thinking about things relative to the breeding season in, in the last few months and getting prepared and, and having your cows in the appropriate body condition score, having good plains nutrition, good cow-calf management, all those aspects, getting your vaccines delivered, et cetera. And, and the reason that I say that is because you know, so much of what happens during the breeding season is dependent on how those animals have been managed prior to coming into the breeding season. So reproductive management, such as ester synchronization, AI, whatever that might be, is not a magic bullet that can overcome, let's say, management challenges that we've had throughout the year. And, you know, we're always going to have those challenges, though. You know, we're always going to have, let's say, winters that are tougher or not as tough as others. We're going to have more or less rain each time. You know, those, all those are aspects that we have to deal with. That's what makes uh, being in the cow-calf industry, you know, sometimes exciting and sometimes not so exciting. So I would encourage you to, to be thinking about it that way. The other thing that I would encourage you to think about is before you actually start breeding any cows this year, sit down and develop a realistic set of goals uh, for your operation. I think this is something important and, and I would encourage you 
to work with your county extension agent or your county educator, um, the AI companies that you work with, your veterinarians, whoever that might be, to develop these realistic goals. And the reason that I emphasize realistic is most of the time when I chat to producers and, and uh, talk to folks, one of the things that I think is we, we sometimes set unrealistic goals for our reproductive management programs and then end up upset when we can't achieve those goals. And so one of the things that uh, Aaron and I talked about in that, that webinar that night when I talked about realistic expectations, we recently did a very large, let's say, analysis across the industry of what realistic pregnancy rates are across the U.S. And two things really stuck out to me when you look at those numbers. First of all, there was over 80,000 animals enrolled in those projects that we looked at the pregnancy rates from. And when you look at them, fixed time AI pregnancy rates on average at day 30 to 35 are somewhere around 50% pregnancy rates, okay? And then after that, there's about another five to 8% loss that occurs where you have day 100 pregnancy rates somewhere in that mid 40s range. And so if I tell you those numbers, you know, you, you might think, well, those are, those are low numbers. And, and the thing that I want to emphasize is that's what the average is. Now, in any average, there's producers that are exceeding that, that are in the 60s, maybe even some in the 70s, and there's some that are below that. And so as you set your goals for your, your management system and your production system, you know, think about those numbers, okay? Look at your cows, all right? Are your cows in better body condition score than they were last year? Think about what your pregnancy rates were last year and set some goals that you're trying to achieve. I think that will help um, as, we, as we move forward and think about, you know, how are we successful? How do we change what we're doing this year to next year and thinking about that sort of holistic method. And then the last thing is, is to remember that pregnancy loss does occur. Okay, so pregnancy loss can be broken down into a number of different areas. So the first pregnancy loss is the loss that we never see. So we inseminate the cow on day zero or, or the bull breedzer. We do a first pregnancy diagnosis at day 30. There's a lot of animals, about, you know, 25 to 50% of the animals lose their pregnancy in the first uh, 28 days. The next set of pregnancy loss occurs after day 28 or day 30, and that's that loss that we refer to as late embryonic or early fetal mortality. So this is a very frustrating loss because it's that loss that, you know, we maybe have done a pregnancy diagnosis already, and then the cow goes on to lose that pregnancy. And these pregnancies cost us a lot of money, especially in shortened breeding seasons, okay, because those cows, they go so many days out, we think they're pregnant, and then they don't calve. So the first thing I want to emphasize is pregnancy loss is normal. We don't understand whatever for what all the different reasons that cause pregnancy loss, but it is normal. And what I would encourage you to do is keep close records on your pregnancy diagnosis so that you can really track your pregnancy loss in your herds. Start to see if you have main sire effects, okay? Start to see if you have cows that are repeat uh, pregnancy loss losers, whatever, you know, those type of things so that you can make management adjustments as you move forward from there. One of the things that we're learning a lot about in, in my group here at A&M is that the bull has a major role in influencing pregnancy loss in our beef herds. And so sometimes I think we think of, of bulls either from an AI or a natural service point of view as sort of just being the genetics, but we have to remember that they contribute a lot to the pregnancy. 
And so a lot of times when we look at whose fault it is in a pregnancy loss, we lay the blame on the cow, but obviously there's some, uh, and maybe a majority of the blame has to come back to the bull. Dr. Polar, talk a little bit about, we recognize early pregnancy loss. You know, some of the data would say around 95% of cows that are bred, there's actually conception that occurs. But then, you know, that early embryonic loss is occurring, maybe implantation doesn't occur between that window time when implantation and early diagnosis, say day 28 or 30 would occur, there's loss. What are some things from a management perspective producers need to understand around their husbandry of the cows during that window of time that can either help minimize loss or actual events also that could increase the risk of higher loss? That's a great question. And I think that in the big scheme of things, um, the thing that we can do to help minimize the loss is minimize stress. Okay. So transportation stress, you know, I know a lot of people want to get their animals AI'd and then maybe move them out to grass somewhere else. Um, if you're going to move your animals, move them in the first seven days, okay, before all that pregnancy loss occurs, minimize stress. One thing that, that I often see happen, and, and you know, it's hard to, to replicate this from a research point of view, but I, I really encourage people to think about it. You know, when we're going through a reproductive management program and maybe using some type of estrogen synchronization and AI, a lot of times we'll keep those cows close to the barn. And so, you know, they're probably in a pasture that doesn't have the best quality forage. We're probably feeding them some hay or, or whatever it might be. And then we're going to breed them and we're going to kick them out to pasture. Remember that that change and sort of the change of, of their diets, those type of things can all have impacts on their reproductive performance. And so what I sort of, you know, commonly say is, let's try to keep everything as close to the same as we can throughout the reproductive management program in the breeding season. Now, you're going to have to bring cows to the barn. Sure, that's going to be stressful, but good animal handling, right? Um, those type of things are, are key uh, in, in those components to, to minimize stress. The other thing I would mention is there's clear data out there to show that, you know, vaccinating naive animals um, can, can also increase the amount of, of reproductive failure that you have in the early part of gestation. And I would encourage you just to visit with your veterinarian, visit with uh, folks in your area that are knowledgeable in that area to, to really consult with you on how to manage your vaccines and, and to make sure you give them at the appropriate time. As far as things to, let's say, increase reproductive efficiency, you know, I, I think that if you look at it, there's been a lot of different data showing, you know, uh, different supplemental supplementation strategies in the first few in the first 30 days of gestation, those type of things. And I think those help. And I guess what they all sort of show is we want cows in a positive plane of nutrition, and we don't want animals that are sort of getting bred and then losing a lot of body condition score. Um, so really, those those practices I think will help uh, minimize any type of wrecks in regards to reproductive efficiency, reproductive management that might cause major pregnancy loss issues. As I think about early pregnancy detection, you mentioned identifying a cow around day 28 or day 30 post-breeding that she is pregnant. That's also a time where we need to be careful around handling those cows as well. Give some perspective on early pregnancy diagnosis tools that are available and if producers want to utilize those tools, how should they be careful around handling those cows to detect that early pregnancy? And one of the things I think that is a little bit of a, a I won't say it's a misconception, but I think we have a, a worry about this. So 
there's a trade-off between handling the animals in early gestation and, and the stress level that goes into it. And I think that as long as the animals are handled properly and, you know, they're maybe used to flowing through that barn or whatever it might be, and the stress level is minimized, it's no problem in, in utilizing the pregnancy detection tools that are on the market. Now, one thing that I, I jokingly say all the time when I'm working with undergrads here at Texas A&M is you don't want to go in there and dribble a basketball on top of the uterus. Um, that can really cause some issues in, in pregnancy loss. But things like rectal palpation, okay? Rectal palpation is probably going to be a little bit too early to do then in an accurate way. Uh, doing ultrasound, a skilled veterinarian that knows how to do ultrasound, no problem there with being able to get that done early in gestation. And then the last is is blood-based pregnancy testing. So taking a blood sample from the cow, uh, sending that off or running a shoot side test and being able to quantify pregnancy, you know, right there on the farm or, or in a lab, I think are all great ways. They all have positives to them. They all have challenges to them as well. And so I would just tell you that Pregnancy diagnosis is not a one-size-fits-all within a reproductive management program. What your neighbor might be doing might not work best for your operation. And so just pick one, work with your veterinarian, pick a diagnostic method that works well for you, and kind of put together a plan that works well in the management system that you're in. And in that, when you do a pregnancy diagnosis, I really encourage people, make a management decision when you're collecting that type of data, you know? So use those type of data to make management decisions. Don't just do a pregnancy diagnosis for the sake of doing it. Do one to evaluate how your bulls are performing. How's my cleanup bulls performing? How was my first time AI? You know, those type of things. As I think about pregnancy loss that occurs from that day 30 to out to day 100 in terms of that window of time, what's realistic to expect in terms of pregnancy loss during that time frame? So what we tend to see is in animals that are undergoing a, an AI or time AI program, we see somewhere between five and 8%. And I think it's realistic to see anywhere from three to 8% uh, from animals that are diagnosed pregnant to the animals that make it to day 100. Now, I like to refer to that loss as quote-unquote normal loss because if you have some disease insult to the herd, then that's really going to jump those numbers up. And I think that's when it's a red flag to say, hey, I'm concerned, uh, you know, let's, let's get a veterinarian out and let's take a look at the herd and see what's going on. So that number that I sort of use is that 5 to 8%, something above that I start to get concerned. That's in AI or, or fixed-time AI. If you start to get into other technologies like embryo transfer, specifically embryo transfer with in vitro fertilized embryos, you can expect that number to be higher. And in some cases, we might see that number get to 20%. It's part of dealing with the in vitro embryo production. And so you're going to definitely see more pregnancy loss as you increase the level of technology. But there's other ways that, that you can minimize it from some of the stress handling methods that we talked about earlier to minimize some of that loss. Dr. Polar, what are some other key things that you think producers should know and understand as they think about pregnancy loss in cows and also just their management and how they can work with that cow herd to really optimize a realistic pregnancy level? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I continue to be surprised by is there's some very basic aspects that I, I think is, is sort of technology that's been on the shelf for a while that we can utilize to really help us. And so, you know, as we're getting ready to come into the breeding season, you know, 
just getting BSCs done on our on our net natural service pools, making sure that they're ready to to roll, making sure that you know we're doing everything we can with them to get them prepared to turn them out to breed. On the cow side, you know, evaluating where our body condition score is on our cows to get some sort of baseline measures to know where kind of where we are and, and what's happening there. And then things, you know, I think one of the largest underutilized approach from a reproductive management strategy is using ester synchronization with natural service combined together, okay? Tightening up a, a cow-calf herd that maybe we haven't used ester synchronization in or haven't used it in a while, you know, pairing those things together. Picking AI bulls that have good fertility, visiting with people you buy your semen from to try to find the bulls that have the best fertility to AI or fixed time AI. If you do all those things, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Aaron, 95% of the time we believe that fertilization happens. It's all the pregnancy loss after that that really hurts us. And so figuring out which animals can, can have the highest reproductive efficiency and decrease the loss in that window will help us be successful. And then the last thing that I'll tell you is encouraging to keep good records and to sort of track what you're doing over time. That's why I really emphasize at the beginning today to make sure that you're setting realistic goals and then set another set of realistic goals after the breeding season is over for how you're going to manage your cows up until calving, through calving, and then back into the breeding season again. And if we continue to do that and chip away at those goals, uh, theoretically, we can be a lot more successful uh, when it comes time to the breeding season and, uh, and have a lot higher expectations and better results as we move forward. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Poehler. Yep, thanks for having me. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beefrepro.org website. At the website, you can find the conversation that was talked about today, the archived webinars there. Also at that website, there's additional resources on this topic.